0: Good morning and welcome, Calumet River Baptist Church and Radiant Life. We're so glad you could join us this morning. We hope that you enjoy the service.
1: Good morning, everyone. My name is Irwin. This morning we are gonna read from Psalm 2. Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord, against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then in anger, he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem on my holy mountain. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. Only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. You will break them with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. Now then, you kings, act wisely. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverent fear and rejoice with trembling. Submit to God's royal son or he will become angry and you will be destroyed in the midst of all your activities for his anger flares up in an instant. But what joy for all who take refuge in him. Hey guys. (laughs) Uh,
2: for those of you who don't know us, I'm I'm Brian and this is Ricky.
0: I'm Ricky. Nice <laughs> to meet you all.
2: <laughs> and this is our new puppy. We uh we were asked how um, we've been coping with some of these things, and this is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and how we've seen God kind of work in our lives. And
0: uh... yeah, so when we were asked about this, both Brian and I went to the opposite question. <laughs> <laughs> but I really. I've really been seeing God working in this season. With COVID especially, we have a little girl who's com- who has a compromised immune system. So for us, we lock down our household really quickly.
2: Yeah, we're on day, what, 60-something? 60 60-something. 60 quarantine.
0: Not seeing people. and
2: yeah.
0: So for us, it's been really challenging. We can't go to a grocery store. We can't go to a pharmacy to get prescriptions. We run out of something. We're waiting until we possibly get you know, queue in the grocery store lineups to get food. But we have seen God just touch our family directly. We have had so many people out of nowhere come in and say, Hey, I'm going to this store. Can I get you something? What do you need? And it's not even really a question. It's more, I'm going there. Tell me now so we can do this. And just people checking in to see how Emma's coping with being the only child in the home right now. And just how we're doing coping wise and yeah, basically if they can do things for us, you know, and God has really been moving our community to be more coordinated to work together. And it's, it's honestly amazing. Everyone's asking, hey, how can I help out a senior? Is there anyone that is vulnerable? You're hearing it on the news continuously. Hey, we need to look out for our most vulnerable. and What can we do and how can we keep them connected? And I think that's God very clearly speaking to our town, our province, our nation, that we need to stick together and we're called to be in community and to support one another and grow together. And I think this is how God is doing that in this season. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I I really feel just like we've been so loved by our, our neighbors and friends, you know, that's, I don't know how else to put that. I mean, that's, that's the love of Christ in, in believers and in the body, you know, lifting one another up when bearing one another's burdens doesn't always just mean, you know, spiritual ones, you know, there's <laughs> physical needs that people have and that we've had, you know, and we feel so blessed to be a part of a community of people that has... Reached out and actively engaged us and loved us and and that's really encouraged us to continue to reach out and love those around us and, and those that we can help. Um, you know, we can't really leave our house much to do things for people, but you know, reaching out in other ways. Uh, like Ricky's been baking up a storm. If we've been lucky <laughs> enough to get some things, and um, and we've it really encouraged us to continue with our, our our Bible study. You know, we were leading one and it kind of struggled to kind of fall apart. You know, with everything not working the way we thought it was going to go. And, and Ricky really was like, you know what, like we, let's, let's keep doing this. Let's like, let's work really hard at this. And, you know, we do our thing over zoom and, and it's been fantastic. I was a little skeptical to be honest. I'm like, oh, no. I mean, I sit in front of my computer all day long for work right now. And that was kind of the last thing on my mind, but the amount of encouragement I've had from just that little bit of connecting we've had over, you know, reading a psalm at the beginning and just asking how our weeks have gone has been huge For my mental health Mm -hmm. you know to connect with people and just to love each other you know um i've i've seen god at work in so many ways and and we're so thankful for that and and i want to encourage people and anybody who's watching this you know like if you're if you're struggling and you're feeling isolated and frustrated you know reach out to somebody reach out to us reach out to the community of people that will love you Um, we're all together in this as a body Um, no one should feel like they can't talk to somebody or or that they need to be alone, Um, because we're not. We are all together in Christ, Um, and we're called to love each other. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Thanks.
3: Hi, everyone. We are here to talk to you about two things. The first thing is probably what you expect. I'm here to tell you and remind you that there's children's stories on our website. There's one for the preschoolers and one for the elementary students. Make sure you pick the one that works well for your kids. The second thing I wanna talk to you about is something that I have the privilege of being involved in right now. It's about our online small groups. Ryan, Jenny and I have been working hard at trying to get some online small groups up and started. The reason behind this is because during this time, our sense of community is lost. We're able to kind of recreate that a little bit online and so that's what we're hoping to do. Over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna be giving more information about how you can sign up for small groups. Our idea behind small groups is that we want to create communities where people can spur one another on to acts of love and good works. Um, We're taking that from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, where it talks about that, how we don't want to give up meeting together. Even during this time, we want to have that community and that fellowship that's happening together. Obviously, it has to look a little bit different right now because we can't actually physically meet together. When the restrictions lift, we're hoping that these groups are going to be able to continue to meet and encourage one another through this time. So, like I said, the information is going to be coming out and will be on our website. There'll be opportunity for you to sign up there. Right now, we're in the midst of getting more leaders involved so that we can create more spaces for you to get connected in. So that's kind of where we're at right now with the online small groups. If you have an interest in being in a small group, please send us an email. We would love to hear from you. It encourages us to keep going and that you guys are wanting this as well. So we wanna know how many spaces we're gonna to need to have available. You can email us at smallgroups@crbaptist.bc.ca. at I can't wait to see what God is gonna do through our online small groups. Hey everyone, my name is Emma and I have one announcement for you. You guys may be wondering what church here at Sierra Baptist is going to look like throughout the summer. There are a lot of details to consider and a lot of things we're trying to think through. So if you would like more information on that later this week, we're going to be putting out more details in the newsletter as well as a short video. So if you haven't signed up for our newsletter yet, make sure you do that. You can go onto our website, scroll down, follow the prompts. You'll get one email a week. We would love to connect with you there. Tuesday night,
0: 7 p.m. Youth Live.
4: (sighs) We'll see you guys on Instagram and you can catch us on Facebook afterwards. Bye guys. Well, hello everybody. It's Ryan, your youth intern here. This morning I have the privilege of praying. And as I go to do that, I would just like to encourage you all to take a look at the newsletter this week where you can join us in praying for our local church focus and find some information on our Missionary of the Month, which you can pray for. And so please join us in doing that. This morning, I'm going to be praying for Pastor Adrian in his recovery, and I'm also going to just pray for God's continued provision during this time. So please join us. Uh, Lord Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time together that we can meet in, in this way, and Lord, that we continue to see your hand at work through everything that's going on. Lord, we know that you... take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it to good. And we know you were doing something powerful during this time. So Jesus, we just thank you for that. Father, we want to take this opportunity to pray for Pastor Adrian. We ask, Lord, that you would have your hand on him. And Lord, we, we pray for healing in that area. We pray, Lord, you would bless his family in this time together, this extended time where they can just spend time reconnecting. And so thank you, Jesus, for that. And we thank you, Lord, for Pastor David and for the encouragement and the joy that he has brought here. Uh, we pray for him and M as they look to their summer and get some time together. We ask, Lord, you would bless them in this this next step. And finally, Lord, we just want to pray for Brian down as he brings your word to us this morning. Father, please speak through him. And Lord, we pray that you would open our ears to hear from you this morning. So Jesus, we just pray all this in your name. And we thank you, Lord, again, for what you're doing here in Campbell River and all over the world through this time. So, pray this in your name.
5: Amen. Well, good morning. It's another beautiful Sunday morning, and we welcome you to Campbell River Baptist Church. Well, the building is kind of empty. It's March of 2020, and we're still in COVID-19 lockdown, but things are loosening up. In our personal lives, and our business lives, we're starting to get ready to go back to normal, whatever that's going to look like. And it's the same for church. We haven't had meetings or programs. We haven't gotten together to worship for a long time. And just like in our personal lives and business lives, there are things that we're eager to get back to. Some things that probably we realized weren't as important as we maybe thought they were. And some things we probably would be better off without. But we have this time to think about it. Make those kind of decisions. The building is empty, but the church is full. But what is the church full of? Interesting question. Some people would have some wise answers, some people would have some not so wise answers, some people's answers would just be rude. But to know what the church is supposed to be full of, we have to ask what is the church? Get a couple indications in Scripture that are pretty clear. In Colossians 1, Paul writes, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. A couple of verses later, he says, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, the church. Very similar thing he says in Ephesians. Speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped with, with when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It's kind of a very mystical kind of thing, the church is the body of Jesus. But it leads us to another question, who is Jesus? It's an important question. In fact, it's a question that Jesus forced people to ask many, many times. He constantly did miracles and signs and quoted scripture passages to make people wonder, who is this guy? In fact, there was a key moment, a a turning point in Jesus' ministry, a turning point in his life where he turns to his disciples, and the is recorded for us in Matthew 16. Verse 13, it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? He most often referred to himself as the Son of Man, and we'll come back to that. They said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. They've all got answers, all these things. They're, they're happy to dish. They, they've heard the gossip. They'll pass it on. They're not ready for what happens next. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? You can almost feel the silence go over the crowd. What kind of answer do we give? Do we give the Sunday school right answer? I don't know. The only answer that's recorded for us is Peter. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Pretty powerful statement. The Christ, the Son of God. Now, to be fair, what does that mean? You know, people do a read-through of the Gospels, and they can come to a conclusion that Jesus never claimed to be God. It's actually a statement made by people that have never read the Gospels. But when you look at the words that Jesus uses, and you look at the context he's in, what the people already know, there's no doubt. Peter's statement is really important in his relationship with Jesus. But when we look at those words, the Christ just means he was christened. There were lots of people christened by God. That just means anointed for doing a specific job. Yes. Yes. Jesus was one of those. Son of God? Well, the term does show up in Scripture. Adam is called the Son of God. Israel is called the Son of God. I mean, the term is there. So, this is important between Peter and Jesus, but is it enough for us to know who Jesus is? Well, fortunately, that's just a very small part of the Gospels, and there's a lot more to be said. Let's look at another passage. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. We'll come back to Jesus' answer in a minute. But let's start with their reaction. They picked up stones to stone him. There was no question in their mind that he was claiming to be the Christ. Not just any old Christ, or any other son of God, but the Christ, the promised one. See, there was a teaching, an understanding in the days of Jesus, and we have lots of writing to back this up. They understood that God had two persons. Now, there's Parts of Scripture that hint about a third one, but mostly in the Hebrew Scriptures there is the Father and the Son. And there's a number of passages that have God interacting with God, and this is where they got the idea. And they started to teach that this second person was the Word, Memra, the Word of God. In fact, they go right back to creation. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. How? He didn't roll up his sleeve and grab a hammer and, and, and saw. He spoke. It was the Word of God that brought all things into being. And so they believed, they taught, that the Word of God is God, but sort of a second person. And it's through Him that everything was created. Now this is a bit tricky, because remember Deuteronomy, that famous verse that they repeat many times a day, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. But to them, that wasn't a contradiction. The one God, the God who was before our physical universe was brought into being, that God was seen as two persons. That's how they understood the conversations that God seems to have with himself in the Old Testament, or when he shows up at different times. They said, that's the word. And they were expecting the word, the Christ, the. Son of God. So when they ask Jesus the question, are you the Christ? He basically says yes. And one of the biggest clues is because they pick up rocks. Now if Jesus was not the Christ, if he knew that he was just a preacher, this would be a good time to come forward. <laughs> you know, Put down the rocks. I'm, 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 there's a misunderstanding. I'm not claiming to be God. But he didn't. He just said, You already know that I have shown you I have told you so when they picked up the rocks he didn't deny it he knew what they were thinking and he let them think it he is the Christ I and the Father are one Reading on, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, it's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Yes, Jesus claimed to be God. And if you look at the signs that he performed and the passages that he quoted, and you compare that to what people were expecting in that day, he was presenting himself as God, the Son, one with the Father, the Christ, the Messiah. Again, this was a perfect time to deny it. They're standing there with stones, And he doesn't. He wants them to know. And then they will have to choose what to do about it. He often referred to himself as the son of man. They would say, are you the son of God? He'd say, yes, and the son of man is going to do this. The son of man idea comes from the book of Daniel, a prophet a few hundred years before Jesus. Daniel has this vision in chapter 7. Starting in verse 9, I looked, thrones were placed in the ancient of days, took his seat, his clothing was white as snow, the hair of his head like pure wool, his throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning. He has this amazing picture of the throne room of God Almighty, and it resembles to some degree the temple, the wheels and, and flames and those kinds of things. But then something else happens. Verse 13, I saw in the night visions... Eternal. And this is one of those passages they looked at and said, well, here we have God on the throne and then someone like a son of man comes before him and is proclaimed to be an eternal king. Son of man. Jesus often referred to himself as a son of man. It's like he was telling them to go back and read Daniel. Go back and read Daniel. Go back and read Daniel. That's who Jesus is. It's who he claimed to be. It's who he proved himself to be. Not only did the religious leaders know what Jesus was saying, his followers understood it too. John, one of his closest disciples, starts his gospel like this, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now because the writings of the apostles come to us in Greek and were written in a Greek context, we often study them as being Greek. So we look at that first verse in the beginning, Was the word. The Greek word there is logos. So people often think about what did the Greek word mean? How did it fit into Greek philosophy and Greek religion? But John isn't Greek. And he's not teaching Greek philosophy. He's answering the Jewish question, who is Jesus? And everything that he says in that statement at the beginning of his gospel, it's actually things that Jews were familiar with. Most of them sort of believed them and assumed them. And again, we've got this all over, writings of that period. In the beginning was the Word. Yes, of course. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So, one God, two persons, not a contradiction. All things came into being through Him. Yes. The average Jew would say, yes, of course. It's the Word of God that created the universe. The Word of God was with God before the universe began, in the beginning. And it was through the Word that God created the universe. So what John says here is not a shock to any Jewish readers. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. Yes. And the life was the light of men. Yes. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. None of that is news to the average Jew in Jesus' day. John is just affirming Jesus is the Word, the Christ. He carries on in verse 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And the Word became flesh, dwelt among us. Yeah, again, that's, that's fine. They've got that in scriptures. It was the Word of God, this person of God, that showed up and talked to Abraham and ate a meal with him. He ate a meal. He had to be in the flesh. It was this Word of God that showed up and wrestled with Jacob. Some people say, well, that's just metaphorical. But you know what? The story ends with him saying that he used this special chokehold, this wrestling maneuver, to win. He was in the flesh. But John is going to go on to tell us, like the other writers of the Gospels tell us, that this time was different. He became flesh in its fullness. Conception, birth, youth, adulthood, and death. He took on a full human life. He was like a son of man, but no less God. Son of God, son of man, conceived, born, grown, assassinated, resurrected, and then ascended to the throne, just like Daniel saw, reigning in the kingdom that is mentioned so many times in Scripture, His kingdom, His people, His body. So what is the church? Brings us back to the same question. As we gather together, as we fill this building, who are we? What are we doing here? Well, we can think of it this way. When World War II ended, there were a lot of things that were changed forever. The world was not the same place. Uh, Communication, transportation were just examples. Before then, if you wanted to cross the ocean, Basically, you were looking at days or weeks in an, o- in an ocean liner. By the end of the war, planes were going back and forth all the time, and they started a whole new commercial aviation industry. So the passenger ships, they had to change. The queen example of that was the Queen Elizabeth II. She was a new design. She still had steel in the hull, because of the weather and the ocean and all that, but everything above decks was all aluminum. It meant she was lighter, she could go faster, use less fuel, cheaper to run. And she was still used to go back and forth across the Atlantic for part of the year, but for part of the year she head off to the Mediterranean with vacationers. They would get on in England, go around for a few days in the Mediterranean, and then go back and get off at the same place they got on. It wasn't transportation anymore, it was entertainment. And they were entertained. <laughs> the ship had uh, outdoor swimming pools. It had the largest floating cinema in the world. It had casinos and restaurants and bars. All kinds of things to keep people happy, to entertain people. And people knew when they got on the QE2 that they would be fed great food, as much as they wanted, and only what they wanted. They would hear great music, live bands, only what they wanted to hear. They could avoid the stuff they didn't like. They were there to be pampered. The ship was built for about 1,800 passengers and a crew of just over 1,000, almost two to one. See, the people were there to be comfortable. After all, they were paying for it. In 1982, as usual, passengers were showing up at the dock area because they had booked a cruise on the QE-2. They were notified the cruise had been canceled. The ship docked, unloaded the passengers it had brought, and then went up for refit. See, England had just declared war on Argentina, all over the Falkland Islands crisis. And the QE-2 was going to be used to transport most of the ground troops. So the ship went through refit. They put plywood down on all of the lush carpets. The swimming pools were covered with platforms that would be used as helicopter landing pads. The huge areas inside where people would normally lounge, they were full of bunk beds. Instead of 1,800 vacationers, there would now be 3,000 soldiers on board. And instead of the usual crew, they asked for volunteers, and they picked 900 of them. And they still did their best. The food was still pretty good, better than your average mess hall, but it was different. These soldiers were not there to represent their needs and desires. They were representing the Queen and Parliament of England. And they were sailing down the length of the Atlantic to the Falkland Islands to proclaim and enforce the sovereignty of England. They were there for themselves. Instead of going for leisurely strolls, they ran laps on the deck. They did gun practice. The evenings they spent studying maps. And as they got closer, as they crossed the equator, things got quieter. You see, the Argentine Air Force had already sunk some British shipping. And they were looking for the QE2. They knew if they could sink that ship, they would have a good chance of keeping the British out of the Falklands. Everybody on board knew it. They were in radio silence, the radar was turned off. And they knew that some of them wouldn't come back alive. And pretty soon, these pews will be full of worshipers again. The nursery is going to be f- crawling, literally, with babies and infants. The halls, the classrooms, the gym will be full of that wonderful, ear-piercing sound of youth unleashed. Why? Just because we need to have programs going? No. We, we don't need programs. We look at the church throughout history, a lot of times we couldn't even gather together. And there's places in the world today where Christians can't gather. They can't own a building like this or run programs. It's worth their lives. But they're the kingdom. So how do we envision ourselves as we get back together with a body Of the Messiah. We proclaim the sovereignty of Jesus. It doesn't matter if the music is always what we want and we're being fed only what we want. In fact, I've heard, you know, I've heard that if you find a church that teaches everything you believe and nothing you don't believe, that worships exactly the way you like to without anything you don't like, don't go there get involved somewhere else. First of all, you have nothing to offer. They don't need you. Second of all, you're not going to be challenged or stretched to grow. You sit there for 20 years and not grow at all. What's the spiritual point of that? (laughs) The body of the Messiah. But we don't declare His sovereignty in the same way those British soldiers did, or in the same way every army has done throughout human history. We don't declare the sovereignty of the Son of God through threats, and violence, and force. When you forgive someone who won't forgive you, that's establishing the sovereignty of Messiah. When you are kind to people who will never be kind to you, that establishes the sovereignty of Messiah, the character of Jesus. When you give to people who can never give back, you are establishing the sovereignty of Jesus. And when you love the unloving and unlovable, you proclaim the sovereignty of the kingdom of the Son of God. and You're acting like his body. You're fleshing out his Ideas, You're living His desires for you. And you're changing the world. So as the church, as the body of Jesus, we get together in big groups, get together in small groups, get together one-on-one or online to encourage each other, strengthen each other, challenge each other. We might all grow up and be more like Jesus. That We can enact and proclaim His sovereignty. That's the body of Jesus. We don't need this building to do it, but it's handy. We don't need programs to do it, but it's handy. And you know, sometimes we get together just to have fun, just because we like each other. Jesus made it pretty clear. If we can't forgive and love each other, how do we hope to proclaim God's forgiveness and love to the world? We are the church, the body, of the Son of God. He has a plan. We're in it day by day. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the congregation in Campbell River. Thank you for your grace and patience. And we just pray as we come through this time of quarantine, you strengthen your body to help those who are stressed and traumatized and confused and in need, equip us to establish your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll leave you with these words from... Philippians chapter 4, at this time when there is so much confusion and anger, keep these things in mind. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the god of peace will be with you amen
6: well thank you brian for leading us in the word and um just wanted to really thank brian for uh, being willing to share this morning and uh, as i thought of brian sharing i thought of over the past year uh, how many people in the church and uh, uh, the group of people that have spoken over the last year or so. I just want to extend my thanks to those of you that have been willing to serve in that way. And we're so blessed to have people um, who are capable and willing uh, to serve in that capacity. So uh, we're so fortunate at CRBC to have uh, such a great uh, family of talented people uh, that can speak when needed and, uh, and I just wanted to extend my thanks for that. And uh, so we're happy that you joined us this morning and uh, we're really excited last week about uh, the connection that you made with us and the comments and the likes and the the notes that we got um, this past week about our services and uh, I just want to encourage you to continue to do that and uh, tell us what's going on in your life, send a note into the the church, uh, send an encouragement to our staff and uh, let us know where we can help you uh, if you need anything. Uh, let us know how we can encourage you and, uh, and by doing that you also encourage us. So we just want to continue to uh, ask you to do that. I want to thank you again for your um, uh, continued financial support and we just, uh, just want to continue to rely on the Lord for his provision and uh, I just want to extend my thanks as you continue to give and share in your generosity uh, with us at CRBC. Uh, next week uh, we're really excited to have Pastor Dwight come. And share with us for the first week, and um, you know, as he gets it, comes in uh, next week via video, uh, and then in the subsequent week, subsequent weeks, he's actually going to be able to come and uh, uh, participate with our staff and and join in that way. And so we're really excited about that. So. Uh, um, stay tuned for that, and uh, and continue to follow us on video. And I just wanted to leave you with this uh, final, uh, just this encouragement from Philippians uh, chapter one, verse nine, uh, and following. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Have a great week, everyone, and we hope to see you next week. Thanks a lot.